it, 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 Dr. Barry, Barry, I'm going to say that because of something that we talk about during this particular show, this is the classiest show mm. in the podcast universe. What do you think, Barry? I th- well, what do you remember when we we I mean, we're going back almost five years, and somebody called us the art house of wrestling podcasts or highbrow. That was the uh, le- late uh, Travis Scott Bowden. Oh, was it really? Wow. Yes. The, yeah. the indie art house of uh, wrestling podcast. World. That's us. That's we are. We're it. classy. But we are classy. Uh, and uh, that reference will come up uh, in a few minutes when we are talking about our match of the week. Here on episode 264, Breaking Cafe with Bob and Barry, the three best friends you didn't know that you had. We are going to be going, oh, Barry, to Memphis, Tennessee. Speaking of the late Travis Scott Bowden, I'm sure he would have enjoyed this match. Uh, as we are talking about everyone's mark out favorite tag team, the greatest tag team in the history of the universe, <laughs> the Road Warriors, as they go to Memphis. I believe this might have been their first appearance in Memphis, Barry, taking on Jerry the King Lawler and the Universal Heartthrob Daddy, Austin Idol. We're talking January, I believe January 31st, 1984. Besides all that, we're going to be offering up some quick choices for Halloween movies to watch. On the scariest night of the year, we're going to be, t- oh, Barry, we went from a, a an incident to a situation that happened to yours truly the night before his birthday. Uh-oh. That involved Publix Chicken. And <clears throat> it's, a, it's a fun situation. Little Florida man or not. And we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite in the news, most hated celebrity of the moment, James Corden. We'll be talking about that. But before we do, Barry. Let's talk a little match of the week. Yes, Barry, we're talking the roadies versus Lawler and Idol from January 31st, 1984, Mid-South Coliseum, Memphis, Tennessee. You've had a chance to watch this match. Tell the folks, what did you think? (sighs) So deep breath. breath. Was that an exasperated sigh? It was, yeah, in a sense, because this match, this match is not good. I think it, I think I can safely say. And uh, to quantify that, I think if you were in the arena that night, it was probably super exciting. And I, and I think this is one of those that if we had watched this match in 1984 through the magic of videotape, we probably would have been, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, it, it's a good match. It's nothing to write home about, but it's fun. There's a fun atmosphere to it. You know, the roadies at this stage were a, a year or two into the gimmick. I want to say it was 83, maybe it was 82, but they were a year or two into the gimmick. And uh, it just, it, there was something that didn't click in this match. And it just, the Road War, in my opinion, the Road Warriors were best booked if they were doing squashes because that was, but when you get them into matches that are, I guess, supposedly supposed to be competitive, I think they were exposed. I mean, there's, there's, I don't think they were exposed. And in watching this match, the first 10 minutes or so, it's, you know, it's a lot of the same spots you've seen. Lawler shaking his head because he's shocked at the strength of Hawk and Animal. You know, Austin Idol outside the ring has massive charisma, his strong point. I mean, the guy is just, uh, you know, he's got so much charisma. But the match itself, eh, like I just, there's nothing that really happens until the end. And they get into a big scrum at the end, and that's a lot of fun to me. But it also, in some ways, exposed the Road Warriors. And 
you know, if I was bringing them into Memphis and I realize Jerry Lawler is the end all be all there, but at the, and I think he's great at what he does, uh, even to this day. But as I watch this match and especially towards the ending, when the baby faces are getting a lot of heat on the heels, to me, it's like, so you've completely exposed them now, you know, maybe you, maybe they want to get their heat back. They, the baby faces, I don't know. But at the end of the day, when you've got one of them tied up in the ropes and he's wailing on him and like another 50 wrestlers have come in the ring to separate anybody, it's interesting and it's fun. But I just don't know if this was booked correctly. And I realize we're, we're discussing this 38 years later, but it does make me think like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have booked them this way. It's this wasn't what we saw on TBS, you know, every week. It, it just it didn't didn't quite compute. So I guess at the end of the day, I think Lawler does a fine job in doing what he's supposed to do. The Road Warriors at this stage were still very limited, in my opinion. Austin Idol, again, enough charisma that he should have been a national star more than just off of TBS. But, you know, as a worker, you can probably go in either direction. But charisma-wise, this guy had it. He absolutely had it. I'll tell you the star, Lance Russell. And I, I've always found Lance was the right guy for Memphis, but sometimes when something occurred, Lance, his voice never reached those other octaves. He never was like Jim Ross in the eighties, you know, like screaming and freaking out. Lance was pretty even keel all the time. This, this is a good match for Lance though. He calls this match, I think, great. Uh, he's the star, I, I think. So I will tell you that when I sent you this match, uh, I was trying to do a little break from our top 100. Uh, we have like one match left from the top 100. Uh, but when I, when I sent you this match, I was like, okay, we'll take a little break from the top 100. We haven't been to Memphis in a while. Uh, and I happened to, I was scrolling through YouTube and I saw that and I was like, oh, well, it's about a 20 minute segment. I'm sure this will be a fun match. And then like you, I watched the match. And I will tell you that you are correct. This is not a great match by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and so what I really found from this was one of the things that giving the devil his due that people have always said about Jerry Lawler is Jerry Lawler has a tremendous mind for the wrestling business. Very creative guy. Uh, he, you know, he's had feuds with, you know, guys that were mummies and guys that were Frankenstein. He just has all these different ideas where he can come up with things to get the gimmick over, to get the match over, to make it, <clears throat> excuse me, at least interesting. And I found myself, as I'm watching this, going, why couldn't Jerry Lawler have come up with something that made this match more interesting? Because he's done it with people of far less abilities than the road warriors. You know, even though I don't think the road warriors are the greatest team of all time. I mean, I think they're a very solid team. I just don't happen to think they're the greatest of all time. That's just my opinion, but good Lord, they could have done so much more with Mike and Joe than they did in this match. Now, I don't know whether it was because Lawler knew that they weren't coming into the territory for a long period of time. So there really wasn't a lot they could do with them. And he didn't want to be exposed uh, you know, he, he don't, didn't want himself to be exposed, didn't want Idol to be exposed. But there just seemed like, okay, let's just throw these uh, four guys in the ring and uh, we'll kind of do some stuff. 
uh, the road warriors will do their, uh, their power spots and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll have a big schmatz at the end of the match, uh, where we'll call all the wrestlers in from the dressing room. And that'll be pretty much it. And so I noticed that, by the way, Lance Russell at the beginning, uh, referencing Lawler and Idol as quote, the classy team yeah, of Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler, which was pretty <laughs> funny. So of the match that basically goes, I want to say like about 18, 19 minutes. The first seven and a half minutes of the match are nothing but the Road Warriors during power spots. And, you know, maybe if you're a, you know, a 20 year old fanboy who's seen the Road Warriors on TBS and you're sitting in the front row in Memphis, you're completely marking out for that because that's what you're there for. You want to see those guys, yep. you know, flex the muscles. You want to see Hawk go, ah, you know, and you want to see, you know, animal do power spots. Maybe that's what you're there for. But that doesn't mean you're there for a, a good match. You're just there to see these guys that are on TBS. Uh, and I just, man, it just, I was watching it going, really? There was nothing else you could have done with those guys. And then, of course, you know, they start getting more into the flow of the match. But by the time they really start getting into the flow of the match and then it goes outside the ring and, you know, there's like a, a, a pole that's outside the ring that's used as an object. Uh, there's a couple other things uh, thrown in there. You know, people are thrown into the ring post. And then, uh, you know, both referees, uh, you know, the referee gets knocked down. Jerry Calhoun, Paul Morton comes in. He gets knocked down. So it ends up as a double DQ. And uh, the pull apart happens. And, and, you know, one of the things I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, Barry, Austin Idol's biggest move in this match seemed to be the nut shot because he must have given the Road Warriors five nut shots. Like each of them, like one guy got three, the other guy got two. And I'm like, is that his like big offensive move against the Road Warriors is just to give him the nut shot? Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he, yeah. That, he did that a lot, too, though. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as Barry said, Austin Idol is incredibly charismatic, a great promo guy. But I think a match like this absolutely exposed because Austin Idol, part of his gimmick was, you know, the universal heartthrob with his great body. And then he goes in against these two jacked up guys you know with with these incredible bodies and all of a sudden you're like look you're like ah oh, the road warriors and austin idol you know and maybe austin idol and his uh his physique gets a little bit exposed because he's not as thick as joe laurinitis he's not as cut as mike hegstrand was and uh you know so that might have been part of what jerry lawler was faced with was well i, I really can't have these guys destroy austin idol because he's a guy that's like our, a guy with a great body in our territory. So I guess I'll have to go in there and take all the bumps, which is pretty much kind of what happened. So we will post a link to this. I, I mean, a, as a curiosity piece, it's definitely worth looking at. Uh, you know, uh, as Barry said, Lance Russell, as always, is great on the call of the match uh, and explaining everything that's going on, uh, making a – what is it? Uh, making a, a chicken out of uh, chicken shit, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, Lance chicken always, salad out of chicken shit. That's right. exactly what I meant to say. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he does a great job of doing that. So we'll post a link to this match from January of 1984 as the Road Warriors take on Jerry the King Lawler and Austin Idol. Barry, I think it's time to take a second about a little personal situation involving you and I. And I think it's a message that I, uh, I think I can speak for you since we've talked about this subject privately. And that is, you know, when we, uh, started the Facebook group, uh, you know, which is now 2,200 people strong. Wow. We have, uh, we have people that after they know us through the Facebook group, they reach out and they friend request us. 
And, uh, I don't know about you. I mean, honestly, there are some people that, you know, oh, I know them. So I'm happily, happily accepting the friend request. Then there's other people. I don't know them. So I kind of have to look to see the kind of stuff they're posting. And if they seem like they're a halfway decent human being and they're not doing shit that annoys me, I'll accept the friend request. But here's what I have a problem with. And I will say, on behalf of Barry myself, we're not strictly speaking of one person or two people. This is something that we have both seen happen with a few people. And it's something I think we need to kind of autocorrect here, Barry. And that is, you know, the stuff we talk about here on the show and we make jokes about and all that. Believe it or not, I know this is a stunner for all of you, but not every friend that I have listens to our Peabody and Award, uh, Peabody and Sherman award winning podcast. I, I can't what? believe it, but they don't. I know it's a stunner. And, you know, people that I have that are uh, my courthouse friends or my, you know, my family friends, uh, my extended family, they don't always get a chance to listen to it. Dare I say, I don't think my brothers ever listened to a single episode, but things that are funny in the group. Not always appropriate on my personal page, not always appropriate on Barry's personal page to make a joke that is exclusive to our group that will have someone in his, uh, you know, inner circle and his family of his friends going, what the hell does that mean? And, you know, like, I'll give an example. We uh, lost our friend Joe, who was the one that started the uh, the Ethiopian jokes. Uh, with uh, with Barry, all right, uh, Joe Christie, right, Bear? Yes, sir. Okay, and so it got to be a very funny joke uh, when Joe Christie would would remind Barry about this Ethiopian situation. Well, let let's now take it and say Barry posts something on his own personal page and says, "Oh, I uh, I went to this uh, restaurant here in uh, the Philadelphia area with Linda, and we had a great time, and uh, the food was really good." And then somebody who Barry has accepted a friend request from that's in our group on Barry's personal page will write something about, well, Barry, did, did you shit on someone's lawns? Now, honestly, in the group, that's kind of fair game because it's Absolutely. something that we've talked about. Yes. On Barry's personal page, I'm going to speak for Barry, probably not necessarily appropriate or on my personal page. If I was to say, oh, Kim and I went out to a restaurant and we, uh, we had a very nice meal and here's a picture of the meal and we uh, had never been to this restaurant. It was very good. Is it appropriate for somebody on my page that my mother is on, that my friends from the courthouse, including judges are on and other family members to say, Hey, hey did you do like Barry and shit on someone's lawn after you had to? No, no. Keep the stuff that is our, our Facebook group stuff within the Facebook group. And then we don't have a problem with it. Stuff that our newest uh, uh, group member here, Barry, Snap, is uh, being a little playful. Snap! My boy, Snappy. Uh, so not appropriate on our personal pages is appropriate within our Facebook group. Barry, what do you have to say to all that? A hundred percent. So you and I had this conversation Check. either last week or the week before, and we were talking about this, and I brought it up. And uh, – I, I think most of it is innocent in a sense. I don't think uh, that people you – know, and then I'm going to talk about somebody that's not innocent. But I think for most people, 
it's an innocent mistake in a sense. But it is. Look, I, I have kids and granted one's 18 and one's 21. I'm dating somebody, but I have a lot of people that are not wrestling related, podcast related. They're business associates in a lot of way. And then I've got a guy coming on and saying, did you shit on the lawn? Did you shit on the lawn? That's funny. Again, in the context of the Facebook group, the issue that I had, uh, and I pointed this out to you, Jeff, and I, I got to tell you, this is uh, – and, and I'm tempted right now to call him out by name. I don't know. <laughs> I really – I got to tell you, I'm sitting here going, do I call him out? And the reason I say that is I have called him out on Facebook and asked him, like, really, dude? This is what you're doing? And he continues to do it, and he did it. On your personal page the other day, and it was something that you had eaten, there was a food-related topic, and this person came forth and said, I thought you get your protein from Barry Rose, or something similar. I'm paraphrasing. But the what it amounted to was that you were blowing me, which, you know, let's be honest, Jeff, that, you know, we don't want to. No, I haven't done that, that in at least 10 years. Yeah, I say we, should, we really don't want to talk about that. But with that, this person has made gay jokes to Jeff and myself, I'll say it at a minimum of 20 times and not in the Facebook group on our personal pages. Now, let's let's quantify all this. Jeff is Jeff is uh, in his 60s. I'm 59 years old. If I was gay, believe me, there would be dead people who would be aware that I'm gay. I would be shouting from the rooftops. I support. You'd be flamboyantly gay? Is that what you're saying? I would be maybe the gayest person that's ever lived because at, at my age, I, this is what it is. Jeff and I are not. I don't have an issue if you want to tease us in the Facebook group about it's childish. Granted, once is enough. But if this is the way you want to live in the Facebook group, have at it. If you come to my personal page, and I should say for a lot of people and even the innocent ones, if you come on my personal page and you're making uh, jokes that I may be gay with Jeff or – which really – imagine a 60-year-old guy saying this right now. Like I'm sitting here with my fucking head in my hands. Like I'm, it's not like we're 12, but if you're doing any of this and, you know, it, it's an, a, it's, it's an embarrassing look. I will delete you as a Facebook friend. I realize, again, in the scope of things, that doesn't matter, right? <laughs> what, who the fuck cares? But I'm just telling you outright, if you come on my page and post something that's going to be offensive to either my children or to people who are not in this world, I will delete you. So, again, stick to the Facebook group. That's why it's there. More power to you. Yeah. Did I leave anything and, out, Jeff? No, and it's just, uh, you know, it gets uh, a little friend. Let me just say, I don't have any heat with somebody that has done this in the past. The person actually uh, privately messaged me, and I told him, I said, look, I don't have any heat. I said, just please don't do it again. Now, if the person does it again, then like Barry said, I'm just going to delete that person as a Facebook friend uh, because they know now that, you know, what is acceptable and allowed uh, as, as you know, joking around and, and – and uh, I'm going to sound like my dad here, razzing you in the Facebook group. It's perfectly fine. I don't care because that's part of what makes our group fun. But, you know, doing something like that on our personal page, where, as I said, my mother and my friends from the courthouse and other friends. Shockingly, I have friends that have absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. 
you know, that, that don't know insider wrestling terms. And when you go on my personal page and you start talking about, hey, is this a work or is this a shoot? Guess what? Somebody that maybe works uh, in the courthouse or maybe my mom is going to be like, what the heck is a shoot? What, what is a, you know, don't use wrestling terms on my private Facebook group, you know, page in the group. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, do that. And I don't friggin' care. So anyway, on that note, now I have a little something to offer the group here on Tuesday, <clears throat> the 25th of October. Barry Rose. Anything going on on October 25th in your life? Well, there is a little something that takes place today. Well, yeah, I can tell you that. uh, I'm going to break kayfabe. (laughs) It is Mr. Rose's birthday. It is. And And he didn't know I was going to do this. So, Barry, happy 64th birthday. Uh, 64, right? No. Oh, it's the big 65. I can retire. No, I'm 59, 59 years old. You're going and, right for the Medicare right now. Absolutely. Bro. And I, uh, you know what? I purposely, uh, fucked with my Facebook birthday years ago. And, uh, it's set to like January or something because I just was like, you know, but, uh, I, I had, you know, I, I told you this as an adult, I kind of live my life like, you know, if I want something, I just go do it. I go out and buy You're like it. Joe Walsh. I live my life like there's exactly. no tomorrow. You know what? <laughs> Why not? I'm an adult. I make the decisions. Uh, it's, you know, it, it all works out, but this year is a little different. Uh, I, I have a, a girlfriend, which I have not had in quite a while, and I am very excited because she is cooking me dinner tomorrow night, and she is, uh, she has told me this is something you've been talking about, the food, but she won't tell me what it is, so I'm kind of excited, and then supposedly there is a gift that I am just going to, uh, my eyes will get wet. I asked my kids and my kids said, you are going to love this. You've been talking about this forever. I have no idea what any of this is, but I know that tomorrow is going to be a good day. So I'm very excited about it. So, well, I can, uh, I can tell you that, uh, I recently posted on my personal Facebook page, not in the ah. group that, uh, Kim definitely came through with a very sweet and thoughtful birthday gift for me. Uh, with Can I ask you a question? A is there her. ever a time that Kim doesn't come through? No, no. Okay. She she uh, she definitely uh, always manages to to get just the right thing. I wish I could say the same for myself, uh, but uh, no. But if you look me. up, if you look at an encyclopedia and you you look up, got her shit together. Your wife's picture would appear there, correct? Well, let's just say it took me three times, but my third time I uh, definitely got the marital situation correct. So, no, she got me a, a shirt with my beloved Gunny, uh, Gunny on it. And, uh, I, uh, I pretty much choked up a little bit when she, uh, when she gave it to me the other morning, uh, on my birthday. So, uh, it was very sweet. So I can only hope, Barry, that uh, on your birthday here, that, uh, the lovely Linda not only makes you a delicious meal of some exotic nature, uh, like you prefer, but also that, uh, whatever gift it is that she gets you, uh, is really something that you said you can say, wow, Linda really came through here and uh, knocked it out of the park. Uh, so on behalf of the brothership and all the listeners, Barry, we will wish you a happy birthday, my man. I appreciate it. Thank you. So uh, now, Barry, uh, as I said, the other day was my birthday and uh, <clears throat> we had a situation. Oh, now, we can, 
Because you and I, you know, and that's part of the beauty of this, and uh, we could talk forever, but food is such a major, major role in our lives. And I got to say, uh, I'm happy about it. I make no excuses. Uh, food is so important. The discussion of food, I think about food, I love food. And I know that you're right there with me, but was there a little incident that took place that was food-related, Jeff? It wasn't a little incident. I can tell ah. you that it was a uh, it was a flat out uh, it was a situation. Uh, it was it was past an incident uh, to a full on situation. I think I think when you have an incident uh, and then you accelerate it, it becomes a situation. I don't know what's after a situation, but uh, so here's what happened. So uh, Thursday it would have been the twentieth. I'm out doing uh, some deliveries. Uh, I'd had a dental appointment. <laughs> that was lots of fun. And, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm ending the day, uh, delivering a little bit early and I decided to stop by Barry's favorite grocery chain in the entire world. Barry, that would be <laughs> Publix. Of course, where shopping is a pleasure. And so, uh, so I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll get a sub. Let's see what they got, uh, you know, uh, on the, uh, the hot corner there. And I look and I see their, uh, what do you call, uh, their basket of our bucket of chicken, whatever you want to call it, oh. box of chicken. Yep. And I'm looking at it and quite frankly, I haven't had public fried chicken in quite a while. I'm looking, oh, that looks pretty good actually. Yeah, I can get this, have a few pieces for lunch and then, uh, you know, Kim will have, uh, lunch for tomorrow. So maybe I'll go with the, uh, you know, the box of chicken. So I pick up the box of chicken, go there, I get home and, uh, I have three pieces of chicken. This is like round, mm, we're talking 1230. What were the pieces and of chicken, Jeff? What what, what 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 were the pieces of chicken? So what? I had I had two uh, two legs and I had gotcha. uh, a rather large breast. Okay, mm. uh, Barry, like you, uh, I enjoy a large breast now and again. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, so I'm eating it, and as I was eating it, I'm like, oh boy, the chicken's uh, very moist. It's not dry at all. It's a very tasty piece of chicken. Very happy with it. So then uh, go through the rest of the day, no problems, and uh, 5 o'clock, Kim gets off work, and she calls me on her way home. She says, hey, listen, i got to run up to the uh, the pharmacy to pick up the medicine. Do you want me to stop by and pick you up, and we'll go there together, and then afterwards, uh, you know, maybe we can do some grocery shopping? Because the plan was we were going to go out on Friday night. My kids were going to take me out for my birthday, and we were going to go to a, a Cajun place that we've been to before that we really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So Kim's picking me up, and we're going to go uh, to the pharmacy uh, because, of course, we were planning on going to the restaurant on Friday night. We usually do our grocery shopping on Friday night. So uh, Kim comes to pick me up, and uh, so when I get in the car, I said, ah, you know, my stomach's uh, – I got a little bit of a stomachache. I don't know what it is. And I hadn't eaten anything since, like, you know, like I said, like lunchtime. So I'm like, I don't know what it is. All I had between uh, uh, the fried chicken and uh, now, five and a half hours later, was I had a pack of crackers. And, you know, so it's – not like I went and, uh, you know, had something extremely – I didn't go with the Indian curry mid-afternoon, Barry. Mm. Uh, so uh, so anyway, so as we're going to the pharmacy, we get to the pharmacy, and uh, we're waiting for them to finish our order up so we can be processed out. And I feel like I'm going to uh, – I'm going to vom, as they say. I'm like, wow, what, what is this? You know, and I'm working on the Seinfeld-esque uh, record of not having vomited uh, since my cancer days, Barry. So it's been a few years, and so uh, Kim's finishing up, and we're walking out. And I said, "Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you drive back home?" I said, "Because I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up." And she's like, "Oh, okay." She goes, "Just do me a favor. If you're going to, let me know, and I'll pull the car over." So we're driving home, and I'm just like, "Oh man, something's going on here." And she says, well, "Look, I'm gonna drop you off because I need to get gas in my car." And I said, "Yeah, if you want, go ahead and just do the grocery shopping, and I'll just stay home because 
I don't know what, what this is, but it, you know, I feel like it's, it's going to hit me here. And, uh, so she drops me off and, uh, I go into the bathroom and there, uh, our situation begins as I proceed to vomit, not once, not twice, six times, Barry, six fucking times the chowder. And, uh, so I, uh, I got up. And not surprisingly, I'm feeling a little bit better. Oh, whatever the situation was, apparently it's been resolved. And so I go back in the living room. I'm sitting down and I text Kim and I go, holy shit, six fucking times I vomited, man. What's going on with that? And she says, were you feeling better? I said, yeah. And so, you know, she goes, okay, I'll be home in, uh, you know, a little bit after I finish the grocery shopping. And so uh, about, I don't know, a couple hours go by. and I'm sorry, uh, about 30 minutes go by. uh, I'm skipping ahead here. And all of a sudden I feel like, uh uh-oh, there's another situation going on here. I go back to the bathroom. I throw up twice more. So now we're at eight times I vomited. And I uh, texted my uh, my good friend, Mr. Rose, who says, uh, did you get a little bit of blood in the chicken? Which uh, almost made me vomit again just from the thought of that, Barry. But uh, because you told me that uh, if it was, in fact, a public's chicken, which that was uh, that was our leading suspect, uh, I will say, yes. Barry, that there are different protocols that they follow in the cooking of their chicken, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like they cook it at a certain temperature for a certain oh, it's- amount of time. And, correct. You know, Yep. Because 100%. of course, when you're a chain, that last thing you want is for some customer to say, uh, you people tried to poison me with your, uh, uncooked chicken or your not fully cooked chicken, whatever. And so, uh, so Kim's home now and we're, uh, we're watching TV. And, uh, so I go in and, um, to the bathroom and I go to sit down, uh, on the toilet thinking I'm going to have, uh, 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 politely say the, the other side of the equation come into play there, Barry. If you get my drift, I think you do. And as I'm sitting on the toilet, I begin to start to get disorientated. Uh, I, I feel like uh, I'm going to friggin' uh, like pass out here. Uh, and I will say in retrospect, uh, and after having talked to Kim, obviously because of the amount of times I had vomited, I was probably extremely dehydrated at this point. Uh, I was not smart enough to start drinking water after all that uh, because let's, let's be honest, Kim's the smart one in the family, not me. And so I'm on the toilet and I feel like I'm going to pass out. I had a friend of mine that had told me a while ago that she had an incident where she, you know, same thing happened to her. She fell and got a black eye uh, from hitting her, her face on the floor. So I kind of like bring myself down to the floor and I'm like at this point going mumbling. And I began pounding on the wall to try to get Kim's attention as I'm lying. <clears throat> Here's a mental picture for you, Barry. Bare ass naked on the bathroom floor. Wow. Uh, yeah, sexy time. And so Kim walks in and Kim uh, basically says, what are you uh, knocking on the Why are you on the floor? Do I need to call 911? And, of course, my response was, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just like halfway delirious. And she, uh, she, you know, she's, uh, coming over to see if, what she can do to assist me. Uh, the new dog, Snap, uh, working his way into the family, of course, begins earnestly, uh, sniffing my butt, uh, you know, saying, hi, dad, how you feeling? You know, tell me what's up. And, uh, so Kim's like, you, you really tried, you need to try to get yourself in a sitting position here. Uh, now, the funny thing is the house that we recently purchased, the person that owned the house before, 
for us had someone they knew that was wheelchair bound. So in our master bathroom, we have the, uh, what, what do you call it? The bars that you see like in, uh, oh, yeah. Installs yeah. And stuff like that. So they're in there behind, uh, behind the toilet and on the side. Uh, so, you know, Kim's like, get yourself up into a sitting position. And I said, uh, you know, she, and then she said, you know, you're, you're obviously very dehydrated if you're feeling disorientated. I said, can you get me some water? So she goes into the kitchen, brings me a bottle of water. And, uh, so I'm, I'm drinking that and she goes, try to sit up. So I sit up and she says, you know, like, oh my God, are you, do I need to call 911? And I said, no, let me just try to get myself together here. And so I'm drinking, I'm, you know, taking some gulps of water, trying to hydrate myself. And then I say, do me a favor, uh, <clears throat> give me some alone time here. Cause I think, uh, the, uh, the, the next act is beginning here. And, uh, I get myself back on the toilet. Then I begin to have the, uh, the Ethiopian like diarrhea berry. Oh, uh, the worst. And, you know, so now it's, uh, uh, I'm coming up one side and I'm going out the back and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> no pun intended. Literally. What the hell was in that chicken? And Barry, you know, I hate to say, uh, allow me to take a little side to, uh, tour here. You know, sure. Barry has been espousing the virtues of Culver's recently on our page uh, after his trip to Michigan. And uh, very privately, I can tell you uh, that my last two experiences at Culver have not resulted in a, uh, a vomitorium or a diarrheal uh, experience, but I've had some pretty good sized heartburn. So I have not been as enthusiastic about Culver's as some of you. But now I know there's no grocery store chicken that Barry enjoys more than Publix. And I have to report to Barry that my Publix chicken is the cause of this. And I know, Barry, our friendship came very close to shattering at that point. Would you agree? It was. There was a lot of, uh, you know, that was the day that I decided I needed to take a, a long walk by myself. And uh, <laughs> it was like that episode of Seinfeld where he, he walks on the pier. Yeah, with the pigeons and, and stuff. With yeah. the pigeons. <laughs> and do I do the voice and lose the girl or do I keep the voice? And he makes the decision. But uh, it is Hello. just like, yeah. Hello. You're making fun of my stomach? No, it's not that. It is, uh, you know, it's a tough thing. So look, Culver's, I was in a Culver's in Michigan, which was the first time I've ever been to a Culver's in Michigan. And uh, there was a thought in my head about, you know, it, it, Jeff's, Jeff a couple of times has had issues with Culver's. And this is not really the the moment for me. So, of course, I had taken a lift both ways and paid. I think I paid 40 bucks for the Curter Burger when it's all said and done, which is crazy. But I got it. Public scares me only because I don't think I've ever had anything bad from their hot food department. The subs are great. I never have either. The chicken's fantastic. And then, of course, the chicken tender sub is what everybody writes home about. So it's got me a little concerned. Uh, and, yeah, and you bring I had, up, yeah. Go ahead. I had would, never had a bad experience at Publix, whether it was buying the chicken, buying one of their subs. That's what made it so surprising to me. And it and, scares me a little bit. And it scares yeah. me because we got Fan Fest coming up and I can't afford to get sick either. So I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah, this might put a day. A pinzer might have to actually get involved. Which yeah. is a shocking, uh, shocking thing to happen, Barry. But, uh, so then, uh, you know, now I've, uh, I've finished with the, uh, diarrheal, uh, is that a new word, uh, experience. And so I, I come out, the wife, uh, ever dutiful is, uh, sitting dutiful. on the, uh, yeah, thank yeah. you, uh, on the, uh, ottoman. Are, are you okay? You know, and, uh, the new dog, uh, is, uh, sitting next to her. Uh, Molly, uh, our other one is on the, uh, on the couch napping. She could give two craps. And so, uh, so anyways, we go back out. 
And uh, I then proceed to not just fall asleep. I think I pass out because I'm so dehydrated on the couch. Uh, and I uh, I managed to ask him, look, I, I'm not going to be able to walk the dogs tonight. Can you just take them out before you go to bed? Oh, of course, no problem. And so uh, so then the next thing I know, it's Kim uh, saying, hey, look, I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to go to bed. It's like 11 o'clock. And, uh, you know, are you going to stay out here? And I said, no, no, I'll come into bed. And I'm making my way into bed. And I kind of hit the bed. And, of course, the new dog, as part of, uh, I guess you could say, the bonding experience with new mom and dad, he loves to lay up. Does Ozzy sleep in the bed with you? He does, yeah. Okay, does he lay up against you or just like at the foot of the bed? He does both more lay up against me, which is exactly what he's doing right now. Yeah. And so, uh, so the new dog is laying against me and I'm trying to fall asleep. Well, of course, I can't take any of my other medicine because I'm so dehydrated. And one of the medications that I take, quite frankly, uh, I may or may not have mentioned this is because of my cancer diagnosis. I take gabapentin because I have, uh, my nerve endings and my feet are completely fried and I have a condition called peripheral neuropathy. And, uh, so I take medication before I go to sleep so that I can, uh, sleep because otherwise my feet will quite frankly keep me awake. It's a, a fun time, fun time, Barry. So I couldn't take that because I was so dehydrated. So I'm sitting there laying in bed with this uh, new dog laying up against me and my feet are on fire and I can't fall asleep. And I lay there for probably about an hour and a half, two hours. I'm like, okay, this is just not happening. So I'm trying to shift positions, but because the dog is so close against me, I can't. So I'm kind of tapping. I'm like, come on, come on, snap, move, move, buddy. And he's not moving. So I go to move and I'm like, come on, come on. And I, I'm like shoving him a little harder. I'm not, you know, hitting him or anything, but I'm trying to shove him. And now Kim wakes up and she's like, you know, like what's going on? I go snap, move. And I kind of shove him a little bit harder just over to like where Kim's at. And so then he finally moved. And at this point I'm like, oh, screw it. I might as well just get up and uh, use the restroom because I had started drinking so much water to rehydrate myself. Now it's, of course it's time to pee. So I go in there and I uh, I come out of the bathroom and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a nice husband. And because I'm having problems sleeping, I'm going to let Kim sleep. So I'll go sit out on the couch. However, as I walk into the bedroom, I'm starting to feel disorientated again. So I sit down on the ottoman and I'm like, that's ah, not happening. I guess I'm going to just uh, go back to bed. I go to bed. And I literally fall asleep in five seconds. Bang, yeah, boom. And because I was so exhausted. And when I woke up the next morning, uh, and Kim was asking me how I was feeling. And I said, you know, I, I do feel a little bit better. I'm not a hundred percent, but I feel certainly better than I did last night. And so she said, you know, you gotta, you know, uh, drink ginger ale and stuff like that to rehydrate yourself and, uh, just eat stuff that's very bland, like have toast or something like that. So then she tells me something that was, uh, first of all, very interesting. It also made me feel very kind of ashamed of myself. Uh, I said, you know, uh, I had a tough time sleeping with him up against me. She goes, you know, she goes, when you woke up and you were trying to move him off of you, she goes, and he came over to me, he was like shaking. And she goes, I think in the home that he was in before, I think they yelled at him a lot. And this is something that you had never done before. And, you know, like, so he was getting, you know, like, and I go, you know, I was sick and I was trying to get him off of me. And cause I, I'm not going to yell at him for something other than that. And so, uh, you know, it's sort of a lesson learned because when you adopt a dog, especially a shelter dog, you don't know where they're, you know, what they've been through, what their past is and stuff like that. And as a matter of fact, 
I'll tell you that the other, uh, I didn't tell you the story, Barry. Last night, I was walking him in the backyard, and because we kind of live out in the country a little bit, uh, we're walking, and in the distance, I hear a gunshot. Well, we're in the country. People fire guns, you know? So I was like, oh, and I looked at him, and he kind of had perked his ears up, and he's like, what the hell's going on? What's that? And, you know, like, uh, Gunny used to be very, very averse to fireworks. Uh, it, he would always get really spooked by Ozzy, I think you told me it's not a big deal to him. Doesn't give a shit at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Does, yeah. I mean, some dogs, you know, like Molly, who cares? Gunny, right. it would, fireworks always bother. So now Snap is like looking up and then another one about 30 seconds later goes off again. And he's like, nope, let's go. I'm done. Time to go inside. And I told Kim, I go, yeah, I didn't know this about him, but apparently he's not a fan of the loud noises. And, uh, or maybe it's just gunshots. I don't know. So, uh, lesson learned there. But, uh, so yeah. So then obviously the dinner at the, uh, Cajun place was probably not going to be a good idea. So, uh, we had to do a reschedule on Cajun food berry. Gonna guess that probably that would not have been a good idea. What do you think, my man? No, that would have probably set you back a, a few additional days, Cajun food. When you start putting in, uh, spicy foods or tomato sauces and things like that, it'll just, uh, it'll make things worse. And I think if I remember the plate correctly, there were like three vegetables on a plate. Yes, we went out and I, I said, let me, my wife's like, well, you know, do you want us to just bring you back something? I go, no, cause our son Andy came over. And I said, no, let, let's go out. And we had gone to a place the week before that's kind of like a, uh, a country style place that's very popular around here. And we had, I had actually had some vegetables, some green beans that were actually pretty excellent. So I said, I'll just, you know, I'll get something really bland, like mashed potatoes or something and, and green beans. And, and, uh, so I, I get that. And I, I, I said, you know, I'm going for the all veggie platter here, bear. Uh, you know, no. a, a, a rare all veggie platter for the booker. What do you think? First time in history, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it could be. Maybe if it's not the first time, it was definitely in the low twos or threes. So, uh, yeah, so that was my birthday, uh, uh, situation. Uh, you know, lots of fun in the Bowdrin household and, uh, holy crap, I'm going to have to watch out for that public chicken berry. Yeah, but that scares me again because I, uh, you know, when I'm on the road, especially when I'm coming down to Florida, I, I look for the first Publix I can see to get something. Last time in Northern Virginia, stopped off, got a Hopewell? bunch of the, no, boy, I would love to. <laughs> apparently, apparently the, uh, the Hopewell Publix, uh, the, all of the Publix in Hopewell are performing a lot better because shit stain doesn't work there any longer. But, uh, I, I stop. I stop at the one. I, I think it's in Fredericksburg, which is the northernmost Publix in the U.S. And I'll stop and I'll get that hoagie right away for my trip down. So I'll probably see, shit, if I'm down there for uh, a week, five days, whatever it is, I'm probably good for at least three Publix runs for food. Check that chicken out. That's all I'm going to say. So segue into yet another food-related topic. Barry oh. always loves that. Barry, names in the news when it comes to food situations. A guy that I know Barry Rose is a huge fan of, James Corden, has been in the <laughs> news, Barry. And I said, oh, Barry, we have to comment on James Corden. And uh, apparently James uh, having a little trouble making friends in the food industry, Barry. What do you know about this story? So th this story is a lot of fun too. And, uh, 
I, I think we should say with this story, and essentially there is a restaurant called Balthazar, uh, and it's run by Keith McNally in New York City. Balthazar has been there for 20 plus years, maybe 30 at this point. It is always been a hot restaurant. It's in a hot area, which I believe is the meatpacking district. And, uh, Balthazar. Is it known for one specific dish or like, like I don't think Italian so. or, or something no, like that? I think it's a, I think it's a Americanized French bistro. I think the food is good, but it's also a scene. It, uh, you know, and it always has been a scene. Is it the kind of and, place Bruce Cohen would go to? No, Bruce wouldn't be caught dead there. Bruce, okay. Bruce is like me. We look for the gritty. Don't have to be fancy to have good food, which is true. But this Balthazar is different. If you're a celebrity in some form, you've been to Balthazar and, and you're going to be seen. And here's the other aspect too. In New York City, whenever somebody, there are certain restaurants like Elaine's was known for years as the restaurant for celebrities. This goes back to the 1980s. And if there was a big movie opening or something, a big play opening, a, a musical, the after party was always taking place at Elaine's. It was the place to go if you were a celebrity. With that, every newspaper photographer and reporter in the world knew exactly where the celebrities were going to go. The other aspect to it was the people that worked at Elaine's, all they had to do was make a call they made a call, photographer shows up, slips the, the guy who made the call 20 bucks, transaction complete. So this occurs all the time. But Balthazar is one of those restaurants that nobody has to make the call. If you want to get a photo of a celebrity or see a celebrity, go camp outside of Balthazar for an hour or two during the day. You're going to catch somebody without a doubt. So James Corden going into Balthazar, and as the story went, at least as we got it, was... Well, I, hold on one second. Sure. Just for the uninitiated, people that maybe uh, either do not know who James Corden is, we have people uh, who do not live in this country, brief synopsis on who James Corden is, celebrity-wise. Yeah, so he was, I believe he was a stage actor for years, star, uh, I guess a higher profile over in the UK and got his own late night talk show in our country, in the US, I'll say five or six years ago without knowing. And I've only seen it maybe four or five times. And I, I will say the times I've seen it, I've actually kind of liked it. He had a segment on, and this is where I will, uh, I will fess up and admit my crimes, he had a segment on, I'll say three or four years ago, it was probably within the first year of starting this podcast, and he had on two of the stars of Little Shop of Horrors, and they sang the song Suddenly Seymour, and the female, I think, was transgender. She had been born a male and had transitioned, and when this segment was over, I was I was so blown away with what I had just seen. I was like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable. Like I was moved. And James Corden got on stage and was clapping his hands like a chubby three-year-old, you know, just really fast going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. He was so excited. I thought he was going to ejaculate right on stage. And I I remember coming on and talking about that on the show and saying, James Corden to me seems like the nicest fucking guy ever. And so this is where I have to walk that comment back because apparently he's a big douche in real life, which we have, we've heard all these stories. So long story short, James Corden 
goes into Balthazar, apparently is rude to the staff. It is not the first time. I think it was the third documented incident. And Keith McNally, who's a bit of a tool himself, let's not get, you know, too far out of that, decides that Corden is the rudest guest he has ever had at Balthazar. Between us, I find that very hard to believe. And that Corden is now banned for life. Banned? You're banned. Banned. No soup for you. One year. And uh, this turns into a big deal, uh, especially in New York and the New York Post. And there's a lot of fun articles about it. And uh, Corden apparently is uh, kind of uh, unremorseful. Uh, basically saying, I didn't do anything wrong. This is, he even used the words and said, this is beneath me, which really that's a douchey thing to say. So, uh, to that end, I guess uh, two or three other restaurant owners came forth and said, no, James Corden's great. Whenever he comes in our restaurant, he's wonderful. He's one of our favorite guests. And then coincidentally, within 24 hours, Keith McNally is walking back all of his comments and James Corden is allowed back in the restaurant. So uh, I hate when shit is played out publicly for no other reason than to either embarrass people or to try to get yourself over. And we see this on Facebook all the time. And there was an incident a few years back, which I won't get into, where I felt somebody had absolutely could have addressed something uh, privately. This not wasn't you or I, Jeff. It was somebody that we know. Could have addressed something privately, but instead took to the public forum of Facebook to gather the minions to back that person up, and it becomes a bigger issue. And, and to me, again, this is the kind of shit you handle privately. This does not need to make the newspapers to embarrass anybody, to do anything, because at the end of the day, Corden looks like a dick. Keith McNally looks like a, a horse's ass now. In the scope of what's going on in our world, this is so unfucking important. You know, it's ridiculous to me. So with that, if you ever have the chance to go to Balthazar, I would recommend it. I will tell you that when I worked at Tavern on the Green in the 1980s, Jeff. Name dropper. No, that wasn't what you were supposed to say. Server or manager. Thank you, server. That my manager at that time was a hard ass. I didn't see him for 10 years. I walk into the restaurant that was owned by Patrick Swayze, and lo and behold, he's the general manager there. It worked out to my advantage because he hired me on the spot, clearly had no idea who I was. He goes, I remember you being a very conscientious worker, which literally was a 180 from what who's, I was. Who's he talking about? I, 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 just, I don't know. Any James Corden, because anybody except for me. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I got hired there, and uh, but it was a celebrity restaurant. When he left the restaurant that we were working at together, and I left, and then he left probably three or four months later, he wound up being the GM of Balthazar. So that that was kind of my connection to that restaurant as well. So what I thought was funny about the whole story was the fact that uh, he announces that James Corden is banned. And by the way, I will say I don't watch James Corden's show uh, on any regularity. I do remember seeing the clip where – he was uh, joined. A, he had Paul McCartney as a guest and they went to a very small pub. I don't know if it was in Liverpool or London. Uh, and they basically set up a stage and they did not tell any of the people dining at this pub that they were about to be surprised. And they pulled the curtain back and there's Paul McCartney with a backing band. And he proceeded to play like an hour and a half set. Wow. 
with James Corden. And James Corden had arranged the whole thing, apparently, with Paul McCartney. And it was really cool. And it's out there on YouTube. Uh, and it's a really fun concert. And the people are just like, holy shit, I'm sitting here having lunch and Paul McCartney's playing a fucking set here, you know? I think one of the things about the story that was funny was the way that Corden gets banned. Uh, then, uh, Corden basically goes out and said, Oh, this is basically a bunch of bullshit. And then, uh, the guy McNally says, Oh, well, no, no, uh, uh, it was our mistake. Uh, you know, we should have never had to let it happen. And then Corden goes back and doubles down on the fact that he's an asshole. Yeah. And then McNally says, No, no, you're banned again. <laughs> and so like, it's just like give and take in the newspaper. Oh. And it's like, let's all be 12 year olds, you know, and, uh, oh, wow, Barry. Fun yeah, considering that our lives, you know, and this is the issue, right? Like your James Corden is banned from a restaurant where it probably costs $75 per person to go. And it's, you know, and it's like you and I are sitting over here talking about how grocery store fried chicken gives us the shits. And James Corden, <laughs> is, he's banned from like $75 per person restaurant. So, yeah. He Go is not yourself, nearly James, as classy right? as we <laughs> no. are, Barry. So, exactly. You know, Barry, besides uh, the anniversary of your arrival on planet Earth, uh, this week also offers us another special day uh, for the brothership, uh, and that is Halloween is coming up. Uh, at the time we record this, it's a few days away. Uh, and, Barry, I've seen everyone in the group posting their top five, or some people for the top 13, some people did top 10. So uh, I was going to say – what about some quick Halloween recommendations, some great horror movies, uh, Barry, that you and I, and I think we might have done this list before. Uh, so, uh, I of course reached out to my daughter and her husband who are just incredible fans of, uh, of horror genre. And, uh, so I, I will throw out there, Barry, uh, that, uh, I love the original, the original Halloween. Absolutely. That he came home, not this shit of a movie that just came out, which I hear is, Horrible. Uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, Train to Busan. Fantastic. Uh, the Exorcist, The Omen, uh, It that came out, I don't know, like what, six, seven years ago, something like that. It was fantastic. Yep. The first one, not part two, uh, the original Shining. So I wanted to ask you, when I asked my son-in-law uh, if he wanted to recommend a movie that not a lot of people might have been familiar with, Barry, are you familiar with the movie As Above, So Below? No, I've never heard of it. So he told me that the plot of the movie is set, I want to say, I don't know if it's Paris, but it's somewhere in France where they go down into the catacombs to uh, to search for I don't know what. And they literally discover that the catacombs are in is a portal to hell. Wow. And he said it is just fantastic movie. So I will reach out. I'm going to ask the people in the group uh, if you have seen As Above, So Below. Put your thoughts in the group, uh, tag me in it so I can let my, uh, my son-in-law see what other people who have seen the movie thought of the film. So Barry, real quick, give me, uh, five, six recommendations that, uh, that you think are great for people on Halloween for a little horror movie, uh, stuff. Yeah, and you're, I, I mean, every movie you mentioned, the ones you mentioned, I did not know the one that, uh, your son-in-law was recommending, but the ones that you mentioned, I would say, I would definitely hit on the first Halloween. They, uh, and I, I gotta say, I like Halloween three season of the witch and very interesting because when the movie came out, I hated it. Everybody who saw it, at least at the time, hated it. Reviews because were it bad. was not technically part of Halloween. It wasn't Michael Myers. It was a exactly. separate movie. And but it's it's funny not to interrupt your train of thought there. But it's one of these movies that now 
years later, people are embracing much more. Well, and it's a, the truth is it's a really interesting concept and it's got if you've seen the movie over the last couple of years you'll remember it's when you put the mask on and the the commercial starts on tv there's that that music it's like it's a synthesizer and it's it's it'll numb the fuck out of your mind uh having to hear it but i like halloween one because it truly is uh i think it's set it's set all the movies coming in the, the late 70s and 80s into the 90s, and even now, it really was the first one to do what that movie did. With that, I would add the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think is a, a just a truly fantastic movie. Uh, I actually showed it to Linda last night. She's never seen one of them. I like Jeff, too. I like a little comedy at times mixed in with my horror. And uh, Return of the Living Dead is... uh you know, it's my third favorite film of all time, so that would make it my favorite horror movie of all time. There's a lot of grisly stuff in there. It's scary, but it's a, they call it a rock and roll horror film. So I don't know if there's a lot of comedy. With that, we used to play when Zach and I would hand out candy. We would open up our garage. We would turn on a TV, and we had a VCR plugged up to it or a DVD player hooked up to it, and we would show Tim Burton's Frankenweenie every Halloween. And while it's an animated movie, I absolutely love it. I don't know if everybody will love it. I know that I do, but I like a lot of Tim Burton stuff, whether it's Corpse Bride, whether it's Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, I like that. There's been some good ones. I, I think well, if uh, I'll looking, tell you, I'll tell you another sure. one that uh, my kids uh, recommended. Have you ever seen the movie with Vince Vaughn called Freaky? I have, uh, and I didn't love it, but yeah. I well, no, that, just because of the whole horror and comedy, you know, kind of dispersed in, uh, that's when you said that, it made me think about them saying that. Yeah, and I, I don't, I, I, I saw it, and there were a couple of movies. There was Freaky, there was Freaked with, uh, Alex Winter, who was, uh, Bill, Bill from Ted. Bill and Ted's, yeah. So, but there are, look, there's a lot of great horror movies. I like some of the obscure ones, which it sounds like, uh, your daughter and your son-in-law do as well. I like to sometimes, uh, there was one I was watching, and this one falls into, I guess, Black exploitation, which that term is a bizarre term, but obviously Pam Greer was a big star in the early 70s. They were making movies starring black people, African-Americans for African-Americans. And there was a movie that came out called Abby, and Abby was literally a takeoff of The Exorcist. It was a black version of The Exorcist. With oh, it. They, made, they made Blackula, too. And fucking Blackula is fantastic. Now, I like both. I like Blackula and Blackula Lives, and I think both are are great. Uh, but you know what other movies I like, too, which we didn't really touch on? The old Universal classic movies and my two favorites. I like them all. My two favorites, Creature from uh, – which actually wasn't a Universal movie. Creature from the uh, Black, Black Lagoon, Lagoon yeah. which I think was uh, AIP. And but uh, the Mummy, the original Mummy with Boris Karloff, I could watch that on an endless loop. Just love it. Yeah, and I, I know there are a lot of. Uh, I know my boy uh, Greg Halleck, uh, who's going to be at the Fan Fest. Big fan of the uh, like the Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee horror movies. He likes those British movies, the yeah, Hammer films. That were so, yeah, that were so prominent in the uh, '60s and early '70s. Yes, that's right. Uh, and uh, so there's tons of great stuff out there. 
enjoy your Halloween. Find your favorite movie. Uh, maybe check out if you haven't had the opportunity, check out one of the ones that Barry and I have mentioned. Uh, give it a look and enjoy your Halloween. Barry, been a couple of weeks since we've offered up some Florida man or not stories. As always, are you ready? Uh, and I'm never ready, but let's go ahead and do this. Okay. That's one of my favorite batteries, uh, batteries, never ready. Uh, Barry, the headline reads beyond <laughs> meat executive. Accused of biting man's nose in road rage incident outside of a college football game. An executive of a vegan food products company has been charged with felony battery and making a terroristic threat after a fracas. I love the word fracas, Barry. Uh, outside of a football game in which he's accused of biting a man's nose. So apparently he wants you to eat all vegan products. He has no problems biting into a little human nose, Barry. What do you think, Florida or not? So I, I, this story came out, I'll say a month ago, and I, uh, and again, everybody was completely hyper focused on the fact that the guy sells the, uh, the meat substitute and of course decides to chow down on somebody's nose. However, I did not grab the location uh-huh. of where this occurred. Yes. Yeah, so I can still keep myself in the game. Christine virginal, if you will. Hmm. Is this Florida or not? I'm going to say it's not. Arkansas. Whoa. It was outside an Arkansas Razorbacks football game. So, you know, apparently, uh, I, I don't know, they, they weren't playing anybody special. So maybe he wasn't happy with the way uh, the Razorbacks looked that day. <clears throat> so you're uh, you're batting one for one so far. Uh, Barry, our next story, mom's birthday gift lands son in jail. <clears throat> He said he was just getting his mom some jewelry for her birthday, but instead of money, he had a gun and now is spending his birthday in jail, police say. Everton Francis entered a uh, jewelry store on October 12th, was shown a necklace and pendant worth $4,700. He told the employee he was going to shop around. According to an arrest report, the man returned about 40 minutes later to make the purchase, but when the employee laid the chain necklace and pendant on the counter, he grabbed them and ran from the store. Uh, the employee saw a security guard walk past and she yelled, catch him. The guard chased and cornered him, uh, in a clothing store. Hmm. He pulled a gun from his fanny. He was wearing a fanny pack. Maybe he's a wrestler, Barry. Uh, he pulled a gun from the fanny pack. The guard told him to drop the gun and he complied. They, uh, police arrived to arrest him. Security uh, cameras had recorded the theft on video. Here, here's one of the things I really like about the story, Barry. While he's sitting handcuffed in the backseat of a police car, he reportedly said, when are you guys going to take me home? I just took it for my mom for her birthday, but they got the jewelry back, so you all should just let me go. All Sorry, right, it doesn't work that way. No? Damn it. Barry, Barry Rose, Florida man or not? This would be a Florida man. This actually, this sounds like a guy that lives in Newport, Richie. This sounds like a guy that actually lives in Lauder Hill, Florida, Barry. <laughs> there you go. Terrible Broward County, and it's funny because I'm looking at the article. Uh, and it shows him being magistrated by the judge. I, I know the judge. <laughs> the, the Honorable Phoebe Francois sitting in judgment at the magistrate proceedings. So, uh, yeah, Barry, uh, you're two for two, uh, although technically you uh, got the city wrong. But well, you know me, uh, I won't be judgmental. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Barry, next story reads, uh, House Haunted by Horny Ghost. Now, Barry, we've discovered that you, in fact, do not believe in ghosts. But are you willing to reconsider if the ghosts are horny? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm okay. Yeah, you're nothing if not fair. So, exactly. uh, the article reads, over the years, we've covered a whole lot of haunted stuff. These include haunted houses, of course, but we've also written about haunted clown motels, haunted jails, haunted McDonald's, and haunted guitars. Somehow, despite all these investigations into the paranormal world, we've never encountered anything quite like this. A home plagued by horny specters who torment the living by flirting with them from beyond the grave. This is, this is an actual article, Barry. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> I believe it actually. I yeah. really, I the house that. in question is owned by Linda Hill. According to an interview with okay. uh, a local TV station, she and her husband learn that their property was home to things that go bump and grind in the night. It's some quality writing there, Barry, uh, after being unable to rent it to tenants for any longer than six months. Hill did not believe the stories that her tenants were leaving so quickly because the house was haunted until she experienced the terror for herself. While taking a shower at the home one day, she witnessed a, quote, dark figure, unquote, on the other side of the curtain, which whispered, quote, looking good. (laughs) That's awesome, by the way. Hill thought it was her husband paying her a compliment, but as soon as she entered the bathroom to ask who she would, but he, I'm sorry, he soon entered the bathroom to ask, who she was talking to. And so from that day forward, Hill has been, has believed the house is haunted by ghosts that are, in her words, sexual. Barry Rose, Florida woman or not. Well, that's a good story first off. So we, we got to give that one <laughs> a little credit. High quality content. Yeah, that is, uh, that it looking good, which, <laughs> yes. you know, it makes you, it's like, and, and yeah. I got to say, based on the woman's photo, he was paying her a compliment. He's being generous, this ghost. Exactly. This is a ghost that has manners because exactly. he's horny, and that's exactly. It's amazing what men and ghosts, uh, the manners that we get when we're horny. Uh, exactly. The, yeah, so this is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to say. This, this did not take place in Florida. This, in fact, took place in Gainesville, Texas, not confused with Gainesville, Georgia, Barry. Yeah, or Florida. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so, uh, but anyway. Uh, 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 next story, uh, medical <laughs> office custodian arrested. Coworker claims she got herpes by peeing in her water bottle. <laughs> the story keeps getting better. A medical custodian has been arrested after a coworker claimed he gave her herpes by peeing in her water bottle. The, the victim said she noticed water that she kept on her desk smelled and tasted funny. So before I continue, Barry, what movie am I thinking of? It. Don't tell me because oh, this punch is delicious. <laughs> new bomb, new bomb. Yeah, did you punch. come, new bomb? That's it. it this punch is the. Del- Wait, this this taste is for is familiar. It's familiar what, to me. Yes. What was it? Animal House. What movie was it? Hollywood Nights. Hollywood Nights. Thank you. Yes. All right. Okay, so uh, after opening movie, it, by the way, no, it's yeah. a hilarious movie. Yeah. yeah. After opening it, she realized it was pee. Investigators say hidden cameras show uh, the defendant contaminating the bottle. He was uh, admitted to the crime, arrested for felony, aggravated assault. Barry Rose, Florida man or not? So I do not know. Let me say I heard this story last week, and then I heard an interview with the lady in question. I believe she's Hispanic. But I did not pay attention to the location of this. But there is an addendum apparently to this story and I forget I forget what radio I heard I heard it on a radio show I forget which one but apparently what's come out post is that 
she had an affair with this guy and he gave her herpes. She had sex oh. with him. Exactly. Like, you know, come on. So, and she's married and I guess, oh, I think she may, yes, she may have passed this on to either her husband or like, I'm assuming that she's married. She's got a husband. So she's so, looking for a cover story. She's looking and she has picked arguably, you know, maybe the worst cover story in the history of all cover stories. This is her Hail Mary pass, I guess. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll buy this, right? He'll buy that. I, I got it from drinking urine. Uh, no. So yeah, so not as all, I don't believe you can get herpes by ingesting urine. I, I've never tried it. I don't know for a fact with that. This was not Florida. Houston, Texas. Woo. All right. You are doing good, my friend. Yeah. So now, along those same lines, Barry, the Hail Mary pass, we have a story, and it's such a bizarre story. I'm going to share it, although there are uh, in this story allegations of a domestic incident that took place post what happens uh, in our article here. So right. uh, I will say that because I'm presenting it uh, because it's got such a unique spin to it, and since you mentioned in the last story, the Hail Mary effort to try to explain away what had happened, get a load of this one, Barry. <clears throat> Men come to pick up their daughter from school, realize it's the same girl. A TikTok user says two men discovered they were both fathers to a young girl when they came to pick her up from school where she works. In a series of videos posted on uh, TikTok, uh, by a woman who says she works in the front office, the men came in before dismissal earlier this month, each claiming the girl was their daughter and that they wanted to check her out for the day. Wow. The uh, the TikTok user says, and so they both look at each other, and the dad was like, why are you checking my child out? Who are you? And the other gentleman was like, well, who are you? What do you mean? I'm her dad, the other responded. Uh, the TikTok user said both of the men were listed as emergency contacts for the girl and that their IDs had been checked. The principal of the school told the TikTok user to call the mother, and the TikTok user said the mother started screaming and crying while the dads were going in. The men were separated as they waited for the mother to arrive at the school. You think that might have been a little awkward, Barry? Just a little. When, when she got to the school, you know, one of the daddies ran in the parking lot to her, like, what's going on? What's going on? Why didn't you tell me, she recounted. So we ran out to the parking lot with them. You know, you all know about how he hit her. He hit the mother. Ja uh, the TikTok user said the mother said she had been telling both the men that they were the father of the girl who was not present for the alleged incident. Nobody ever knew anything. This was crazy. But at the end of the day, the police were there. One of the dads got locked up. You know, the mother went to uh, the emergency room. Grandma had to come get the child because nobody could get the child at that point. But it was a mess. Barry Rose, Florida man or not, and is this a awkward situation? Yeah, good God, and a mess is a massive understatement. I mean, this is. Uh, and does it say how old the child is? I'm assuming she's very young. Uh, it does not, but I'm also assuming it's a young child. Yeah, and that's uh, this is the true victim, and uh, you know, again, this is it's completely fucked up. Uh, and I think the mother does have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. So let me look at the algorithm here of, uh, of where I'm at. Uh, so far I'm batting a hundred percent. Carry the four. one and yeah. Steiner math and then three times that. And then this, this story, this story took place in Florida. Yes. Well, Barry Rose, your dreams of going five for five on Florida man 
have been shattered. Oh, four for five, my man. This took place in Georgia. Unfortunately, in the article, it does not specify which town or city in Georgia, but it is a Georgia story. Barry Rose, Ah, four for five, my man. You'll have to live with that. All right, Barry, time for the old go-home segment of Breaking Kayfabe about it. And, Barry, I will say, Barry, that I hope I never have a situation like I recently dealt with. So uh, when we get to episode 265, let's hope I don't have to talk about another incident that had me on the floor disorientated and almost hallucinating, my man. (laughs) So what episode is this, Jeff? Where are we at? This is 264, Barry. 264. So we're essentially where... 36 episodes now away from the th- the golden 300th episode. That's yes. insane. Yes. So that that will be a definite demarcation episode in one way or another. That's all I'll That's say. That's true. Yes. So anyway, on that note, I hope you all enjoyed all the different uh, food-related topics that uh, we spoke of, a uh, little, uh, little Memphis action. Uh, Barry, maybe next week, if you're good, I'll throw you the uh, – the, the other top 100 match. So we had one that wasn't such a great match. So maybe I'll throw you one that is a great match just oh. because I'm nothing. If not what you're a giver, I really am a giver. So on that note, I will remind you that breaking K Fabe with Boundron and Barry episode two, six, four is a production of some company. I don't remember what, uh, Oh, that's right. Arcadian Vanguard uh, podcast network. So I will remind you, first of all, I will say good night, Gunny. I'll see you in the morning, and I'll say thank you to our producer, Sweet Luke Pippelman, and my co-host, Barry Rose, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.